You are listening to 91.9 WDRT Radio Free Space, Viroqua, and this is The Conscious Bro Show. Hello, everybody. My name is William Kyle Glenn. I go by Kyle. My co-host, Tony, is not here today. He is out there doing ER doc stuff. Um, so we appreciate his service and send a shout out to him. Um, I'm here with my guests once again, uh, Rune Lekakerker. Thanks for being on. We had Rune on last week or last month <laughs> and a last show, and we were talking about initiation and it was a really rich topic. Uh, we all got the sense that we were not done. There's a lot more to share here. So we're going to kind of get into a level deeper in the initiate process, kind of maybe span out a little broader, give you some tips to go through that process. But just to reintroduce Rune, he's a man of many many talents and trades. He is a acupuncturist, um, a studied, what do you call yourself? Esoteric. It's always tricky, right? But yes, <laughs> I, I've studied esotericism for, for a while, both the yeah. Eastern and Western. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he, he owns a building company um, in Sedona studies uh, or studied, spent seven years training in New Zealand uh, for Qigong, martial artist, acupuncturist. I think I said that already, but why don't you fill in the gaps if they're. I mean, that's a great, I'd say. Yeah. It's just uh, lots of interests. But you also work with people. Be... You also I work do. With... Yeah. yeah. I work with them one on one mainly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I help guide people towards a better relationship towards reality itself in the way that presents presents itself in their lives is by helping people um, learn to feel more deeply. That's always a tricky part to teach people how to feel. Yeah. And you're, you're really good at that because you, you've really helped me because I work with Rune one-on-one and um, he's helped me come a long way in learning how to feel different areas where I thought I was just, well, I thought I was feeling, but I, I learned that I was numb in a mm -hmm. lot of areas. So he, he, he's really good with that as well. But it, it, go no, go ahead. Go ahead, sir. Well, I was just going to say it's, it's a, it's a difficult realm to navigate, to learn how to do. And it, it'll tie in beautifully as well with what we're going to be discussing today. But um, it's, it's a wonderful way to start um, to feel as is to allow yourself to drop in to really know what it is that you're going through in the moment. And instead of having these projections of what you're supposed to feel, what you're supposed to be doing, there's not all of that distortion and distraction um, is meant to fade away fully, which is not an easy thing to do. And to simply just drop in to be with where you're truly at, which is always, always presents itself as a form of catharsis in a way. Where it's like, oh, wow, I didn't know I was holding this anger or grief or sadness or pain or and uh, we're, we're masters at um, masking pain. And that is a huge part of the initiatory process um, as human beings. From there. Yeah, well, it's interesting you, you bring this up because I actually had, um, I guess you say a counseling session with Rune this morning. And so I'm going through a difficult time in my life. I have a tooth issue. I got badly sunburned. I'm having all sorts of like physical body issues, which I don't usually have. So I'm kind of feeling a little helpless and um, wondering what I got to do. I did get a holistic dentist appointment set up for uh, tomorrow. So, and I'm getting ready to go on vacation. So I'm like, I got to get this taken care of. So I've been kind of like all over the place, really scattered. And so I just met with Rune today and um, you know, Lots of things were said, but basically it came down to, yeah, you're, you're telling all these stories, but how do you feel? <laughs> and, so right. I, and it took a while to kind of really get there. And then, and on the second time when I, I went under and I totally didn't really have a sense to what I was feeling um, mm. at all, really. I was just trying to kind of make it through each day. And then it, it led into this deep shame, this deep disappointment and lots of tears and just that was just kind of hiding under um, whatever, all these stories that I was telling myself, I was trying to put like positive spin on it. Like I'm going through this powerful transformation. But yeah. when I just like kind of dropped all that and sunk into the feeling, there was just 
a lot of disappointment, a lot of shame, worth, worth like unworthiness and feeling like just upset with myself. It was an amazing and beautiful, heartfelt moment. It was, it was incredible for you to, 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 to witness you in that. It was an honor. Cool. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for that. It, it, it definitely released a lot. I guess, well, I want, I shared this because I feel like this kind of goes into what we're talking about. Um, yeah. Because this process for me feels like a part of initiate initiation nation initiation process yeah. in and of itself. And um, I guess maybe what I'd ask you then is how can getting in touch with your feelings uh, boost this process? Mm, yeah. Um, maybe before I go into that, I can I can offer a brief summary of what we talked about last time. Um, just to quickly go through the process of initiation yeah. initially and get to that place where um, we all know that place of lostness, that place of overwhelm. And we're often there without even knowing that we're there and, and, and how to, to tap into that, why that's so crucial. And um, so we start off being completely unaware of spirit in general, right? So as I was explaining last time, the initiation starts with the realization that life is just more than just who you are. You're, 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 um, you're more than just your body, right? And that initial initiation, there's this sense of, of expansion. You're suddenly connecting to life. Life is starting to kind of um, turn into this multicolored experience rather than this black and white. Um, experience and it, it's a it's a really beautiful and wonderful and blissful experience for most sometimes it's violent um for some um but usually we enter that space of, of just feeling very blissful and connected and, and we go through um sometimes a long process of, of great syn syn synchronicity we're starting to meet people more uh, like ourselves we're, we're going on all these journeys um, life is generally quite good in, in that initial, you know, initial stage of, of initiation. Wake up, life is pretty good. And then after a while, and for some, this can happen after a year. For some, it can happen after a few decades. It, it really depends on how the person is wired and how old you are from a soul perspective. Um, so when it happens, we can never say. There's a tremendous amount of mystery to the initiatory process itself. But what we can know is that at some point, that blissful stage is going to be over. It's not going to be all good. It's not all about being in the state of connectedness and oneness and bliss and all of it. It's great to have a taste. It's great to have all those experiences. But at some point, the spiritual realm is going to retract itself and you're not going to get guidance anymore. And it feels like, God has abandoned you and you're in that stage uh, that people often describe as the dark night of the soul. Like, oh, I thought life was so wonderful, but now I'm being hit in the face by betrayal and, 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 and pain and darkness. And I see evil around me everywhere. And, you know, suddenly that is popping its head up in our lives. And the most common response to that and this is where it leads into the ability to feel the most common response to that is to deny it, to deny evil, to deny pain. It's, it's, it's a built in program uh, that we all have to deal with at some point where we just want to be okay. That's right. As long as we're comfortable, life is good and we can kind of get through. That's the general sense. When life gets hard, we get into this state where we just pretend that nothing's wrong, everything's good, um, everything's perfect somehow in our minds. Um, but in, in, in reality, it's absolutely not life is crumbling under, underneath your feet and uh, falling apart in some sense, but we're not fully aware. And this is where um, the feeling process kind of comes in. I just wanted to give you a moment to interject if you felt to. No, I, I, I feel like you're, you're dead on. Okay. So 
when we're in that stage, and, and the, the problem of the dark night of the soul, and it has different names and meanings and all that, but we go through waves of it, right? It's, it's, it's just like Joseph Campbell explained in The Hero's Journey. We have these moments where we're literally on top of life, and then everything has to crumble again. And we go back into the belly of the beast, and there we have the, the, the option, the choice, whether to make something off it or not. And when we do, we rise yet again and become the, year, the, the hero of that um, area of life that we conquered. And we have to go through that process multiple times, really. And there's, there's, a, there's a strong, um, or there's a deep meaning behind that in the sense that when we're in that first blissful state of initiation, we feel like life is so wonderful and we're, you know, we're smelling the flowers and life is good, right? Then we come to the horrific um, realization. And it's very common for that to happen through a sense of betrayal. We've invested ourselves into a deep relationship. We thought we would love and suddenly, you know, like we're being cheated on or we make a business investment and we're being completely manipulated left and right. And that's because we're so open towards life um, that the darker process can have a very strong impact on us. And that's what we experience when we're in the dark night of the soul is that we feel like life is just pulling us left and right. And we feel in this helpless, lost, um, overwhelmed state. And the usual way we deal with that is to deny it, right? The, the work that I focus on mainly is um, be aware of how you're trying to make things okay that are not okay. So if your life is not okay, if you're not okay, if you're really not doing well, um, don't pretend like you are. And the overriding that happens is usually through a story or we create, create certain images or we hang out with particular people that look at a certain way so we can feel good about ourselves and we can maintain that for quite a long time but it creates a tension because you can't hold it long enough because that tension at some point has to crumble and what happens is that you start to get ill you start to get strange symptoms you've never had before you know your your tooth is needing to be pulled out for example right <laughs> what you're saying to me right now is they're saying is so close to my heart right now it's just you basically describing my experience uh at and i'll add the the grasping for information to try to understand what the heck it is you're going through to try to make some sense into it because it's scary kind of yeah it, it is because all these changes are happening in your life and you have no idea why and subconsciously we're trying to avoid that so we want to make sense of it we, we tell ourselves as soon as as long as I understand what it is that I'm going through, then I can be okay with it. And the problem with that is that when you're going through a transformation where the old self that you used to be can no longer apply itself to the new areas of your life, meaning the things that you used to do no longer yield any results. So for example, um, if you used to do uh, tarot readings for yourself and you, you receive guidance through that, suddenly it, it, it doesn't do the same thing anymore. Um, you might be using particular meditation techniques to get into a good state. Suddenly they don't work anymore. You take superfoods, but actually you're getting worse from taking them instead of better. Um, those are very common signs that you are rejecting a transformation that you're needing to go through, which is a letting go of a portion of the past in order for something new to come through. And the new is always salt. So this is a really important part to, to learn to map out in a lot of ways. Because when we're down and we're in that state of denial, we convince ourselves that we can find the solution through our mind. Like in your case, you were just looking up as much information as possible in order to soothe yourself um, by, by trying to understand and making the right choice, even though that had kind of the opposite effect, right? 
uh yeah and I, I didn't realize that at all i thought i was just trying to make sure that i was not going to put any harmful chemicals to kind of decide when the right time is to make a move if i need my tooth extracted or not and what kind of treatment to get and all that stuff but it's crazy the ability like you said i've witnessed it firsthand the um like you said we are masters at covering stuff up because mm. i had no idea all that i thought i mean I was a little stressed, but I didn't know that I was carrying all this emotion. And then I, I, I don't know. I would say I weep for about 10 minutes once I just finally yeah. checked in. Yeah. It, it, it's such a good example of how we create coping mechanisms in order to kind of get through. So a really simple way of spotting a red flag as you're going through a dark night of the soul or you're in that transformation process and uh, i'm sure everyone listening can can relate in their own ways it's usually where life gets a little hectic you know everything starts to suddenly happen all at once right you know you don't have just have one project suddenly you have 10 things to take care of you know life life gets uh more chaotic in the way because you're, you're not on top of it as you used to be you're trying to regain a sense of control by trying to um you know gain more information, worry about making the right choices in life. And um, I'm here to say that most of that is a distraction, right? We, we can get into that state where we can, we're so clever that we can convince ourselves that doing the research um, in your case um, it is, is a fantastic thing to do, right? Even though it's a, it's a complete distraction from how you truly feeling. And to come to the, a, a recognition that you're actually doing that, how you're distracting yourself from what, what's really going on, um, one way to recognize that is that when you set a goal in the future where you think like, once my tooth is distracted, then I'll feel good. Or, um, you know, and this is, this is your case, right? But Oftentimes, um, even in marriage, people have, you know, like um, have marital problems. Things are not okay. So in their minds, they they come up with a solution. Like I either like I have to leave this person. It's it's always um, based on an external form of salvation. Like once this happens, then I can feel good again, and. I'm here to tell everyone that that moment will never come because the underlying feelings that you're trying to avoid are still going to be there. It's, it's, it's trying to um, kind of ease the symptoms of the transformation that you're going through, which is the symptoms are discomfort and worry and anxiety and overwhelm or, or a general sense of flatness or numbness, things like that. We, we kind of just wait in that and nothing really happens. And we set these lofty goals for ourselves. Like, oh, to maybe tomorrow I'll do some yoga and I'll feel better somehow. Or there's even the belief, like, if I do yoga, yoga always makes me feel better. But at some point, that's not going to be the case anymore. You can't use techniques to get yourself through that specific part of initiation where soul is literally requiring you to stop stand still stop trying to understand where you're at what you're needing to do what the next right thing is it's literally requiring you to take a step back and learn to listen truly listen which is a very uncomfortable process <laughs> right because what that does it reveals the underlying tension that was already there that tension is so uncomfortable and a really great way to um, kind of train yourself for things like that and, and, and um, different cultures have different ways of, of dealing with that for example in, in, in China they have Shaolin training they train themselves to become masters at holding that tension 
that we feel that is that sense of discomfort. So for example, if you're doing limb training, you have to hold a particular posture for hours. It's extremely uncomfortable. Your body's shaking. You feel like your legs are going to give out. Your mind is constantly telling you you're going to die. Um, but as you work through those barriers, you gain the sense of confidence and strength that you can hold yourself in uncomfortable no situations, basically. Exactly. You can be comfortable yeah. being uncomfortable. Exactly. Native Americans do that with their sweat lodges. Oh, yeah. You're in this tiny tent packed with sweaty people. It's extremely hot. Your skin is burning. You can't breathe. Yet you're going to be there for at least two hours. You, there's a part of you that has to relax into the discomfort. And this particular part of, of the initiatory process is a process of maturation, is that maturity is our ability to hold ourselves within that tension. Immaturity is the denial of the tension and the pain that it's causing. So we're denying that entire process. We'll never sit in the tension itself. So we need entertainment, sex, drugs, food, relationships, you name it, to keep distracting ourselves from feeling that underlying tension. And uh, I would say that's the number one tool. Right on. And it's tricky. Uh, you are listening to 91.9 WDRT, Radio Free Space, Roqua. I'm talking to Rune. Lekka Care Care. He's dropping some amazing knowledge. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so you, you were talking about initiation and uh, specifically the dark night of the soul part of the initiation where it's not all fuzzy rainbows and light. You actually have to go through some hard stuff. I wanted to ask you a question. Um, so you're speaking about being able to hold yourself in difficult times, being able to be uncomfortable or comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, there's a lot of tricky ways that I found that I've learned that we can do this ways that we wouldn't even think that we're doing this you know, ways where I'm just like, so yeah, I wanted to speak to this because I'm researching, you know, I have an issue with my tooth. Like, so I'm, yep. I don't know what to do about it. Like, where, where do you draw the line here? Because like, it, it's hard for me to say that I shouldn't do any research and then just give up the responsibility to somebody else to like make the decision of what happened. So there's some degree yep. of like kind of letting go and having faith and just leaning into this comfort. But is there a place to um, a healthy place to do a little bit of research just to make sure that it's getting taken care of and you're taking things, maybe certain supplements like I'm taking to, to back it down? How do you, how do you know where to draw the line there? That's a great question. This, this is really quite a complex thing in, in the way that with anything in life, we approach it in a very binary way. For example, um, I'm going to use you as an example. You doing the research, part of that is trying to make the right choice. Right? Part of that is you trying to soothe yourself to make yourself feel better and kind of get to the other side of it. Hopefully it will be over as soon as possible, right? Yeah, like and, all, the, uh, all the card readings and stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's all sorts of ways where we just, you know, most people who, who, who get an astrology reading, for example, it's just because they want to hear that the stars are aligned and that, you know, there's great fortune for them in the future and all that. Okay, that, that's how I, I can be okay with my suffering for a little while, right? So there always has to be some sense, sense of hope or a promise. Um, so that's one layer, of course, where we're trying to find comfort in the discomfort in all the wrong ways because it's not here it's somewhere else it's out there right it's a, it's always in a future projection but we have to be conscious of our motives in that and which brings us back to this binary way that we think the mind is binary by nature it can only see black and white or the, the lower mind. and the problem of that is for example, you're married and you have marital problems. In your mind, the only thing you can perceive is I have to leave my wife or my husband or I have to stay and suffer forever. 
Both are two very painful choices, and I don't want to make either of them, really. And often we, you know, we choose one of the two, right? That's, that's what the, the only thing the mind can perceive. Soul always offers a third option. When we allow ourselves to remain in that tension of that polarity, that conflict of like, do I stay, do I leave? What do I do? Um, this is an uncomfortable situation. But the truth of the matter is, is that you don't have any clarity, right? You're confused, you're overwhelmed, you, you can't see straight. So to override that discomfort of not knowing, we, we, we try and come up with, with an answer. Like, I'm just gonna leave her or him because that'll make me feel better. Or I'm just gonna decide to just stay and recommit even though I'm suffering tremendously in the relationship or something. This is a very common thing in relationship, but it translates to other things, right? Not knowing something is extremely uncomfortable, right? And it creates a tension. But if we allow ourselves to remain in that long enough, just marinate a little bit, be okay with not being okay, that's what I would say, a third option always comes up. And it is always something that the mind could never have even perceived as a third option. Maybe the marriage that you're in or the relationship you're in, you're not seeing what is causing the conflict between you two in the first place. But now because you're relaxing into your tension, you're starting to see what you're contributing to the pain in the relationship marriage itself. And something changes. So soul, which is in that place of t- the tension between polarity, which is an awkward place to be, always offers a third outcome, an outcome we cannot come up with. And it's a force of evolution that creates change. If we're in that binary place of thinking, whether thinking that you only have two options, I only stay with her or I have to leave her or him, right? That's where you're trapped in this in this loop over and over again, where you recommit. It's like, oh, I'll just give it more strongly. Maybe that will change something. But we're still going through the same stuff over and over again. We do this in life, too, in our own individual journey. So when I hear you talk, I mean, you know, I'm totally feeling everything that you're saying, and I resonate with it. But part of me, part of me thinks that it's like, I don't know, part of me like almost pouts. It's like, okay, so we just got to feel a bunch of pain then. So we just got to, you know what I mean? Like it hurts to feel pain. It's, it's not easy to feel pain. And like, we would, we got to take away all all these pleasures and just allow ourselves to sit in pain. Is that like, like flexing this pain muscle or something? No, absolutely not. That's a very common misconception and um, it's very popular in some Christian, um, belief systems where let's just induce more pain onto ourselves right so we can so we can get really good at it right and and there's some wisdom to it like for example the uh, the sweat lodges or shaolin training and things like that through through discipline we learn to strengthen our will and all those things it's great but ultimately that can become quite abusive too so It's not about learning to be okay with pain necessarily. It's learning to be okay with whatever it is that you're experiencing in the moment. It's easy to be okay with joy, right? That's easy, right? But maybe you wake up one morning and you just feel really low, feel so heavy, you have no idea why. The mind immediately says, you know what? Let's eat that piece of chocolate. It'll make you feel great or something like that, or let's smoke that cigarette, or let's take some drugs, or let's have some sex. Um, Whatever we do, we use that to override just how we feel in the moment. And that's not to say that drugs are bad, or uh, sex is bad, or any any form of pleasure is bad by any means, um, everything within measure, obviously, but we have to examine where we're coming from. Am I doing this to avoid 
dot, dot, dot? Or am I doing this because I care for myself and I, and I want to give this to myself as a result? So those are two very different approaches to the exact same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So what, like, so this is, I would say a pretty high bar, like what, Mm. why, why do this? Like, what are we really going to, what are we really going to gain from it? You know what I mean? Because when it, when you're in it, you can talk about it, but when you're in it, it friggin' hurts. It hurts. And it's like, oh my God, I don't know. I mean, there's definitely been some times where I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't, (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do. How do I, how do I cope with this? Absolutely. You know what I mean? So I guess. Well, the first question would be like, you know, what are you really gaining from allowing yourself to experience that? Mm. And then maybe we could go into some tools to to aid in that process. Great question again. um, The the short answer is liberation, but then the question is liberation from what, right? We have to understand that it's more of a psychological issue more than anything else. There's a difference between who you are and who you think you are. Who you think you are is the ultimate cause of your suffering. Because what happens is that you project an image of who you want to be or who you feel comfortable with being, or, or, um, and it's usually based on someone else's thoughts, right? Um, let's say your parents are very disapproving of you, um, and you're not getting good grades at school. So you create an image of yourself that once I get the good grades, I'll be loved. So that's, that's a good image to have myself. So I'm going to be someone that pursues that, right? Or, Or I get good at sports or I become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. We usually do that to please someone else. That's the underlying um, uh, motive. We, we create an image based on what society wants us, wants us to be or our parents or when we're in relationship, it's our partner. Right? Oh, she wants me to listen more. Or uh, so I have to learn to be more, more, more patient and, and, and learn to listen and be more intimate with her or whatever, um, even though it doesn't come naturally to me. So. I feel I have to change myself in order to please her. And when she's pleased, I'm pleased about myself, right? It's huge dichotomy. Happy wife, happy life. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And when you're younger, it's like happy parents, happy life, right? It's, it's, it's terrible because you're imprisoned by someone else's idea of you. Right. So Mm -hmm. it starts with that realization when you, when you're asking the question, like, what are we getting out of it? Well, ultimate liberation and freedom, like psychological freedom in the sense that your life is no longer being guided and directed by the desires and the beliefs of others of how you should be. And there's a million rules. Like if you're in a long-term relationship, I'm sure lots of people can relate to the fact that you have all these unspoken little rules that, oh, if I don't tell her that, then she's not going to blow up. Or if I if I ignore that part of him that really annoys me, then we can maintain this false sense of homeostasis or peace, which is absolutely false. And what we're doing, we're creating these weird little niceties around one another. We tiptoe, we don't wanna step on each other's feet. And what happens as a result, we're actually in prison and we're, we're, we're tight, we're constricted, we feel terrible, we have no sense of self. We're imprisoned by all of that. And we can call all of that ego. It's a false sense of self, entirely false. It's not who you are. It's just this mechanism that we create to navigate life, to avoid pain at all costs, conflict, pain, all of it. We don't want to feel it. So let's create this ultimate self that is extremely unrealistic and unattainable. So whenever I don't reach a goal that I've set for myself unrealistically so, I feel really shit about myself. It's like, wow. 
I already thought I was shit, but now I didn't reach that goal. And now I feel even more terrible about myself. Evidence. Yeah. So so let's start with, do you understand the meaning of what we talked about earlier of learning to be with pain as it shows up, not through self-induced labor. It's like, no, it's as, as it comes to us. Where there's loss, there's pain. It's it's inevitable. Whether we lose a sense of self, or where we lose a partner, or we lose a family member, you know, there's uh, where there's death, there's loss. It's part of life, but we can't deny its existence. Just in order to have our heads in the clouds and pretend that everything's okay when it really isn't. And it's only in the moments when it isn't okay. Because there are moments that are going to be okay as well. And they're great. But we usually live through life kind of hoping to hop from one good moment to the next. For example, when someone works a job from nine to five, which is excruciatingly painful, it kills every impulse coming from the soul it's deadening it's terrible what's the one promise that gets us through that hell is at the end of the year i get to go on a vacation with my family and even that is often very painful because i get ill there's conflict with the wife and children and you know it's usually not that great i don't know it doesn't sound very good to me (laughs) and but there's a way out there's a way out to realize like, hey, part of what I'm living is false. It's based on what other people want me to do. I do what my boss asks me to do because he pays me and I'm dependent on him. Um, we do the same thing with our parents when we're young. We're dependent on our parents. So we change ourselves to their needs so we don't lose that sense of security. We do the same with partners. Women do this all the time. They stay with abusive partners. They're literally being hit every single day, but they stick around because there's a sense of security in that, right? It's more complicated than that, but we can definitely explain this such. So that's a miserable life, miserable, miserable life. And we go through endless cycles of that, and we're not even aware of it. We're, we're not even aware of the fact that we're suffering because at the end of the day, I get to have my cold beer and now all is good. But I'm going to ignore the fact that 12 hours before this, I was in deep agony. But now that I'm drinking my beer, there's a sense of relief. What a miserable life. Honestly. So we, we live from one moment of relief to the next. Same at sex. It's like, we're just going to have sex. And we're going to um, get each other off, have this great orgasm. Again, sense of relief feel a little bit better for five minutes right well you're listening to 91.9 wdrt radio free space viroqua and this is the conscious bro show i'm talking to rune uh, leka care care uh i find it interesting that while we're talking about the dark night of the soul i am totally getting thunderstormed on there's thunder and lightning <laughs> and cool. rain and everything <laughs> but what we left off we're talking about initiation specifically the dark night of the soul. And um, yeah, one, one thing that came to mind though, is when, um, well, I heard you, I heard you just talk about like, when you face the emotions, you gain liberation from it basically. Mm -hmm. But when you escape it, you, you seek these sensory pleasures, one pleasure after another, after another, after another, it's interesting because I just read the first chapter of a Rudolf Steiner book, how to, how to know higher worlds. And he was talking about that. Um, like basically how, like to try not to just grab after pleasure, after pleasure, after pleasure, but to allow it to sit in you and kind of like savor it. Because if you try to just kind of stuff your existence with each sensation that you get, you kind of blunt your capacity to be able to uh, experience pleasure in the first place when you do that. That's right. That's right. So you kind of numb yourself, I guess, is what that would be, right? 
you do, and you need stronger and stronger impulses to feel anything at all. That's why we go into, you know, more extreme things like, you know, like going hunting or um, um, what's that type of sex where you're being beat up and you know, all the, oh, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> exactly. Um, those are very strong impulses and all it does is is to let the numb human feel anything at all. And there's an unprecedented level of great sex that happens on our planet at this time. And it starts at a very young age, not women being raped, but women and men going through the fantasy of raping. Whoa. That's, that's, not- that's the sexual part. It's very, very common, extremely common, actually. That's the way to get off these days, pretending like you're being raped. That's a really good indication of how numb we are collectively. And you're, you're making a really good point is that what we're really trying to get at is not to just learn to just go into pain because pain in and of itself can become its own addiction. It, it's, it's not to seek after pain. It's not to induce yourself with more suffering. It's just to learn to be present and aware and alert, attentive to the way life comes to us in each moment. When we have a beautiful and peaceful moment, to learn to be with that, to savor that to, to its very depths. It's something in each moment where it's painful or joyful that speaks to us in, in, in every moment that help us remind us who we really are rather than who we think we should be. And so let that be the main thing to take away from today is don't try and control life and steer it into a direction where you think happiness lies. For example, by becoming a lawyer, you please your parents through that subconsciously. Or you work out because you want to look better physically to impress the ladies. There's nothing wrong with working out. I work out. I do it to take really good care of myself. So we want to examine our motives. We want to work with the things as they come to us. And we create a relationship with life which generates this sense of deep belonging that you know where you are right now in your life is exactly where you need to be. And that is such a relief for most people because we're, the, the alternative is deep existential angst, feeling like we're separate from life, feeling like we're alone, isolated, and that life is only suffering, which is not true, not true at all. But the suffering, the unnecessary suffering lies in our denial of the, the other half of life, which is death. We do that through avoiding pain. Wow, deep stuff. Do you have any um, tools, specific tools that you could? Uh, let us know that that would help somebody through this. I mean, I could see that like, well, just stopping addictions would be one major thing to face that pain. But um, when you're starting to lean into that stuff, you know, what, do you have any tools to help somebody do that? Yeah, absolutely. So the stopping of addiction is one of the most difficult things. I just want to make a little side note there. Um, the only way to stop addiction truly is to understand what it is that we're really addicted to. So it's a psychological exploration. Why do we have addictions in the first place? Not to come up with a conceptual idea of God's probably because I want to avoid pain and don't want to feel things. That's why I'm smoking cigarettes to numb my lungs ritually or something like that. Don't give yourself an answer. Learn to sympathize, contemplate, sit in silence, sit in the discomfort of 
the need for a cigarette or the need for sex, the need for attention, the need for anything at all, the need to understand. All that is an addiction. Sit in that tension and your addiction will fade and disappear. I guarantee that. But a really good first step, and I call this the process of healing your relationship to reality as it is, is the objective is, is to learn to train your mind to such a degree that it only occupies the things or is only occupied with the things around you. Not anything that you're going to be doing tomorrow or uh, a made-up conversation that you're having with someone that you're meeting probably tomorrow and you're already trying to predict how the conversation is going to end up and what you're going to tell them and all those type of things. Um, like, no, learn to have your mind be occupied with what is right now. And a great way to do that is to learn to observe, to just sit in a chair and you look around and you're going to notice how wild your mind is and how crazy it's spinning around and it's constantly trying to distract you from where you are right now all the time. And what you do is you describe your surroundings. If you're in your room, you're in your room. Describe it to yourself. If you're out in nature, describe what it looks like to yourself. Take it in. Merge with it. As if you're reading a book that you're trying to learn from. You're, with that same sense of curiosity, you take that in. And you're going to be distracted a million times over. It's just what the mind does. It's so clever. It's going to take you away. Like you look at a tree and you're like, oh yeah, my grandma planted that tree. And there's a whole story there and you're gone, right? Or you look at a lamp in your room, like, oh yeah, my ex-boyfriend bought that for me. God, no, I actually hate that lamp thing. <laughs> you're gone. You're not here. That's a story of the past. It's not here, right? So you have to learn to catch yourself when you're doing it all the time. Because where your mind is trying to take you is in a phantom reality. It's not here. It's somewhere else. And it's a place that doesn't even exist. But we're there most of the time. Once you learn to observe your mind, you realize 99% of the time you're not even here. So through that simple practice, you observe, you take in your surroundings. Your anxieties will dissipate. I guarantee you that if someone is having a panic attack, connect with your environment. Recall what is around you. It's like, oh, there's a glass right there filled with water. There's a pen over there. You touch it. You, you connect with it. I guarantee you the anxiety that you're feeling is instantaneously gone. You learn to react, to, to soothe the response of your nervous system that feels in terror sometimes. Some people can be terrified, even though there's no immediate danger whatsoever. So we have to look at the evidence. Like, Actually, I'm okay. I'm in a good place. I'm, I'm either in beautiful nature, I'm in a, in a good room. And it helps you to create a relationship with where you're at. So to summarize it, have your mind occupy or be occupied with what is around you in this moment at all times. It's a hard thing to do. It's really tricky. Catch yourself whenever your mind is pulling you away with a story. Like I just mentioned, like, oh, that lamp, my exporting from bottom, like, gone, right? You're down this loophole. Bring yourself back every time. It's like working a muscle. You get stronger over time. It's a fantastic way to start. And you surf that urge. Yeah. Um, one, one thing that I found in doing this, especially like when I did my media fast is when, when you start to take away all these like sensory mm. pleasures or whatever, like these addictions and um, that we're getting these dopamine hits from yeah. um, our capacity to enjoy things that we might not, uh, that we might've before thought were boring. Like the small things become much more enjoyable. It's interesting. Oh, all these little absolutely. things like, like, you know, seeing like the sun come through the window or just like walking out the mm. back door, like all these little things 
that were just yeah. maybe monotonous before are so much more rich and enjoyable yeah. when, when, when we go this path I've noticed. Spirit lives within the mundane. That's, mm -hmm. that's really the truth of it. It is absolutely in the details of life. It's mesmerizing. There's nothing more exquisite and delicious than savoring a good meal or be extremely conscious if your partner gives you a kiss on the lips and you just receive or him just fully it's amazing or as you say the sun shines through the window and it's just hitting perfect spot and it's creating this almost rainbow like quality there's something that speaks through each and every one of those moments and that's the practice of learning to be attentive and we can direct that inwards too the same beauty is found within that's often where we, we forget to look and see because all we see is that we, we haven't become that future projection that I really would want to be. So I'm a piece of shit. It's like, no, actually, there's exquisiteness inside of it. But you have to learn to be interested. Well, and, and with sure. that, you don't have to do these extraordinary things, bend yourself over backwards, like save the world or build a huge company whatever to feel good about yourself like you just have to exist and experience life when you increase that ability to just enjoy what's around you it comes back to the simple truth that we've all forgotten because society tells us otherwise is that our inherent value lies in our presence that's it mm. There's value in just being human. Really good example of that power or magic. There's a magic to presence. Let's say a friend just lost his or her child, which is the most tragic thing that can ever happen on this planet. I cannot even imagine that depth of loss. <laughs> um, there's nothing you can say or do that would soothe their pain more than just being there. Mm -hmm. Just being there. And in presence, share the pain to some degree. You live with them. That's deep empathy, presence, passion. That is the most healing thing we can offer to ourselves and to each other. And that's really a, a beautiful way to round up this process of pain that we've talked about before and the importance of connecting to it. It has to come from that place. We learn to be okay with who we are in this very moment. Not tomorrow, not 10 years from now, not when you've paid off your debt or whatever. Right now. I, I, hope. Uh -oh. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, I really love what you're saying. Um, I wanted to ask a question because, you know, now if we want to just broaden to encompass like society or something um, or the world, mm -hmm. it seems like there's kind of like a dark night of the soul happening around the world right now, if, I, if I'm being real. Yeah. And is the world going through initiation process right now? I mean, is that is that happening? Is there a initiation happening, a initiation process happening around the world? Absolutely. And it's been going on for a long time. And to be really honest, we're not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, entertainment has such a grasp on our world. It's unbelievable. Not that there's anything wrong with entertainment. It's escapism. That's the problem. We're not facing reality as this. And that's slowly happening for people. But the usual response is always anger and revolt. Like, oh, I have, we have to revolt against the tyranny of the government, and et cetera, et cetera. Like, no, we have to collectively look at the fact that we created it. 
it's our responsibility too. We can't just point at the one percent and say like, "Oh, how terrible you are." It's like, no, we created you. We allow that to happen. Right? It's it's when you're in an abusive relationship, you blame the partner. But what's your responsibility? You stayed. You enabled that person. And I'm not talking about the extreme situations where people are literally being forced against their own will. It's not the same thing. That is absolute terror to death. This is terrific. It's not the same thing. But for most people who are not in those evil situations, most of our suffering we create ourselves because we're not seeing the reality where we're at. And we don't have guts to change it. it. Takes guts. Initiation takes guts. So collectively, we have to get our shit together and become more courageous by saying no to certain things that make us feel very comfortable. Say no to the comforts. No. It just seems like a tall order to make. It's huge. <laughs> large groups of no. people say no to what's comfortable. <laughs> exactly. Like the government takes care of us. It's like, you know, it's like being 12 years old and you're being kicked out of the house. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's traumatizing. It, We're do you, collectively. Born. Well, do you think they can, um, society or the masses can do that without having like a, sometimes I'm, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm usually optimistic, but it's sometimes it's like, mm-hmm. it's almost like we need this, a big calamity or something to kind of, or something to happen. They're like, yeah. how does everybody just all of a sudden be like, say no to Netflix and say no to all these like wonderful creature comforts in order to embrace this initiation process? It, 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 so our world problem is a psychological problem. So Netflix is not the issue. The government is not the issue. The extreme evil that's happening in the world is not the issue. It all comes back to the individual every time. It's self-responsibility. At every turn, it comes back to just simply that. It's easy to go on the streets and complain about the problems in the world. That's easy. It doesn't solve anything. It's like screaming when you're having an argument with your partner. No one's listening. No one's listening. But if you stop and stand still and you take ownership of your part of the deal, things change. Not just in your own life. But when you... Learn to sit in the discomfort because, again, collectively, we feel like we need this great, great purge for people to wake up. It's like, no, it's not what we need. We need to learn to be okay with the discomfort. It's extremely uncomfortable to be in the world sometimes. It's like there's some ridiculous things happening that it's hard to imagine that we're even allowing that to happen. So there's a discomfort there. So collectively, we have to remain in the discomfort to learn to be okay with the discomfort because in that place, just like what we talked about earlier, when we avoid that discomfort by making a radical decision to just, I don't know, have some global purge happening or, um, you know, we turn into a Bill Gates that wants to kill half the planet or something like that as a, as a result. Extreme measures are always the result of the lower mind the soul always comes up with something extraordinarily balanced and harmonious. But we have to make those choices individually. And it starts with that seed, a psychological issue where we avoid this at all costs. Right on. When we choose that individually, the world will change. Awesome. Well, we got about one more minute. Um, is there anything else you want to leave um, our listeners with to tie a bow on? <laughs> Maybe it'd be nice to um, emphasize that we're, even though we're looking at the things that are wrong, painful, evil, all of that, There's a reason why we're doing that. It's not because we want to sketch this hopeless image, you know, that there's no future for our planet or anything like that. That's not, it's not to sketch an image like that at all. It's actually to to sketch a realistic image 
um, to use a really good quote or, 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 or a philosophical um, concept is that we deny evil, we become evil in our ignorance. And that's a very deep thing to contemplate in and of itself, right? If we deny evil, we become evil. We, we become a vessel for evil in a sense. But if we learn to face our capacity to do evil, we become healthy and harmonious human beings. Like, this things that we're capable of doing doesn't mean we're going to. Um, that truth lies in our confrontation with this, with the pain, with, with the not so good sides of life. And what that does, there's a reintegration that happens. We become whole human beings as a result, which allow us to make wiser choices. If you know you're addicted to something and you deny your addiction, you're going to make very bad choices in life. But if you know you have those tendencies, you're going to make different choices as a result, right? So we, we make terrible choices if we deny aspects of life. If we include them, we, we can make wiser choices. And I think that's re really where our future lies individually and collectively. It's like we have to make better choices and stop perpetuating these cycles of unnecessary suffering and just grow up. <laughs> grow up. Make better choices. All right, man. Uh, thank you so much, Ruin, for coming on. This was a great show. Really appreciate what you shared. So you are, yeah, yeah. You are listening to 91.9 WDRT, Radio Free, Radio Free Space, Viroqua, and this is the Conscious Bro Show. This is Conscious Bro out.